0: We're now in our 15th week of working our way through the 16 chapters of the Gospel of Mark. Now let me just stop right there. Last week I made an announcement about what we're going to do when we get done with chapter 16. And uh, whatever I said last week, we're going to move it ahead one week. So when we're done with, today we're going to look at Mark 15. Next week we'll look at Mark 16. The week after that, we're going to do a summary of all 16 chapters review what we've talked about for 16 weeks in a row. Then, the week after that, we're going to begin our study in the book of Jonah. And so uh, we're going to do four weeks on the book of Jonah. Most of us know it has something to do with some guy getting swallowed by a whale, but that's about it. So we're going to look at it a little more in depth than that. And uh, we'll take it chapter by chapter, starting in, is that three weeks? Whatever it is when we're done reviewing Mark, the whole 16 chapters. This morning, we're going to look at Mark 15. Our primary goal, let's remind, I, I need my, to remind myself of this. Our primary goal is not to get through the Gospel of Mark. That's not our goal. It never has been our goal, and it's never going to be our goal. Our goal is not to get through the Gospel of Mark. Our goal is to get the Gospel of Mark through us. That's two entirely different things. This morning, we're going to look at Mark 15. It's a chapter which takes place during the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Before this week is over, Jesus will be arrested, crucified, and buried. Now, if you've been here for every week, or even if you've been here for most of the weeks, you remember that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at the beginning of Mark chapter 11. So here's what I want us to do. You've got one hand in Mark 15, and you've got another hand with your pencil and your notebook. You need to find a third hand and turn to Mark chapter 11. If we assume, and I, I think that we're going to agree with this, if we assume that Jesus' ministry lasted three years, now let's just take a breath. I can't prove to you from Scripture that his ministry lasted exactly three years to the month or week or date. Nobody knows that. Some people believe that his ministry actually lasted three and a half years. But for conversation's sake here at Crosspoint this morning, we're going to assume and we're going to agree that his ministry lasted for three years. If we assume that it lasted for three years, then we need to believe in the bottom of our hearts that Mark chapter 1 all the way through Mark chapter 10 in a time frame is two years and 51 weeks. Okay? I don't think it's two years and 51 weeks to the day, but for our conversation. Because beginning in Mark chapter 11 to the end of Mark 16, all those chapters take place in the last week that Jesus walked this earth. So if it was three years of ministry, and Mark 11 to 16 is the last week, we have to agree that the first 10 chapters are or a summary of everything that Jesus did and said in the first two years and 51 weeks. Does that make sense? Say yes. Okay, good. We're going on. Look at Mark 11. I'm going to read, and we're going to reread this because we already read this four or five weeks ago. Mark 11, I just want us to read the first ten verses. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? Mark 11 is the beginning of the last week that Jesus is alive on the earth. We are going to walk our way through from Mark 11 through Mark 15, and we're going to briefly talk about what happened each day during this last week. So with one hand in Mark 15 and the other one in Mark 11, and your third hand holding on to your pencil and your notebook, here we go. Mark 11, 1 through 10, is a description of what you and I commonly call, every year we celebrate this in church, Palm Sunday. Sunday is the key thing. So I would encourage you in your Bibles, next to Mark 11, and whether you want to write this next to verse 1 or anywhere in those first 10 verses, you could write something, this took place on Sunday. You could say, this takes place on Palm Sunday. I want us to understand, this is the beginning of the week. We're going to walk our way through each day. Look at Mark 11, verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Circle that, on the following day. On the following day, if the the previous verses took place on a Sunday, then Mark 11, 12, the following day, right next to that, right, Monday, Okay, are we familiar with Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? We're going to go through each day. We're going to understand what exactly happened on that last week in Jerusalem. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. It's deductive reasoning. If what happened before took place on Sunday, then the following day would be what? Monday. You got it. On Monday, what does Jesus do on Monday? On Monday, he chases the people who are buying and selling the stuff in the temple. He chases them out of the temple. Scroll with me down to Mark 11, verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem. Now, let's stop right there. And they came, here's the key, again to Jerusalem. So, Palm Sunday. Then we have Monday. And it says in verse, I don't have my Bible open. Oh, and here I'm telling you guys to have your Bibles open. I think it's verse 18 or 19, it says that on the end of that first day, they left Jerusalem and went outside the city, right? We believe that that was probably Jesus and his disciples going to Bethany where they went regularly to visit Lazarus and Mary and Martha to be, spend time with those friends in Bethany. It's only two miles outside of town. So when we get to 1127 and they came again, To Jerusalem, As he's walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, verse 28, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority? So let's just stop. I want us to get this. Mark 11.1, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem on Sunday. In your Bible, next to Mark 11.1, in my Bible, that's all I can say. I don't know what's in your Bible. Mine, I have handwritten Sunday next to 11.1. 11.12, I've written down Monday. 11.27, I've written down Tuesday. Turn the page. Go to Mark 14. It was now two days before, Mark 14, verses 1 and 2. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. This is what we know. We know that Jesus was crucified on Passover. I don't remember if I've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, but we did an, a we sort of did a, a census count in Sunday school a couple weeks ago. We added up the number of years that the people in class two or three weeks ago had been attending church. Okay, and on that particular Sunday, two or three weeks ago, the number of Years that we had been going to church was 655 years. 655 years, that group had been in church for 655 years. So when I say we know that Jesus was crucified on Passover, we know that because we've been going to church for 655 years. Passover. Passover is this... annual celebration, it's a Jewish celebration, that today we would say something like, Jewish people have been celebrating Passover for 3,300 years, Wow! and they will celebrate Passover unless Jesus comes back in the next few months, they will celebrate Passover again in April of 2020. But at the time, Mark 15, during this week, this last week of Jesus' life, Jewish people had been celebrating Passover for a little over a thousand years. Passover is a reminder to Jewish people of what happened on that night in Egypt so many years ago when they were held bondage. God spoke to Moses and Moses told the people that the death angel is going to Passover, that's where we get this word Passover. The death angel on a particular night in Egypt is going to pass over every house in Egypt. Every house, every family was asked to take a lamb and cut its neck and take the blood from that lamb and put it on the doorpost of their house. On that particular night in Egypt, when the death angel passed over every house in Egypt, if there was blood on the doorpost, the family was safe. If there were people who had ignored what Moses had asked them to do, and they did not put blood on the doorpost, when the death angel passed over, the oldest child in that house would be killed. Passover will happen again, like I said, unless Jesus comes back. Passover will happen in 2020 on Wednesday, April 8th. Jewish people still celebrate Passover to this day every year in the spring. Now look at Mark 14. It was now two days Before Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. If Jesus was crucified on Passover, and we know that he was, and if Passover on the year in which Jesus was crucified was a Friday, and let me say this, and we know that it was, and if Mark 14 takes place two days before Passover, and Passover is on a Friday, what day would Mark 14, 1 take place on? What is two days? Let's back up from Friday, two days. We back up one day, that's Thursday. Two days would be Wednesday. Next to Mark 14, you should write down this word, Wednesday. Wednesday, Mark 14, 1 is a Wednesday. Look at verse 12, Mark 14. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? If Passover occurs on a Friday, the Passover meal would be served after sundown on Thursday. You see, you and I, we live in a different world than the Jewish people live in. Well, I mean, we live in the same world, but we have different calendars. There's a Jewish calendar that's in existence right now. Most of us go by what's called the Gregorian calendar. And so we say that today is October 13th, 2019. The Jewish calendar has a different year. I should have looked that up. It's like 5,000 something. We say, most of us, and I think we're all in agreement here, this is Sunday. Sunday begins one minute after midnight, Saturday night. Or one one second, right? One second after midnight, Saturday night, is Sunday. That's why we say today is 11 o'clock in the morning, because we've been in Sunday for 11 hours. But Jewish people keep track of time different. For them, Jewish people, Sunday begins after sundown on Saturday night. So now, stay with me here. If Passover begins on what you and I call Friday, Jewish people, Passover actually begins right after sundown, Thursday night. So, Mark 14, 11 to 72, takes place on Thursday night. Don't write down Thursday, write down Thursday night. Mark 14, 12 is Thursday night. It's just after sundown. Here's verse 17, and when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. We remember this story because we've been in church for 655 years, and we've read this every year. Mark 14:53. and they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes together came together. That would be when? Late Thursday night. Now that brings us to today. Mark 15. All that was just review. Now we're on Mark 15. Verse 1 says, And as soon as it was morning, now, whoa, that would have been Friday morning. You can write Friday morning next to 15.1. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. As soon as it was morning. Probably means any time after sunrise. So what day is it now? What day is it in Mark 15.1? Friday. We're together. And because it's the first day of Passover, this is the day when the lambs would be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus was crucified on Passover, which, if you're not familiar with this term, because Jesus was sacrificed on the same day as the lambs. That's why we call Jesus the Lamb of God. He was crucified on the same day that all those lambs were crucified in Jerusalem as a way to seek the forgiveness of their sins. Now with Mark 15, let me read the first 15 verses. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked, And among the rebels in prison, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man named Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now let's go back. Let's go back in history. We can't look this up in the Bible. So we have to go to the library, or I guess today we could use our smartphones and just Google it. Okay? But you're not allowed to Google this while you're in church. Who is this guy named Pilate? And when did he serve as the Roman-appointed governor of Judea? Well, I can tell you that he served from 26 AD to 36 AD. Now, this is important. So in my Bible, next to wherever we're at here, Mark 15, when it starts talking about Pilate, If you look in my Bible, right there, I've written, Pilate was the governor from 26 AD to 36 AD. So I've always got that as a point of reference in my mind. That's important for us to know. Now, there are two schools of thought. You know, and, and to this moment, I've only ever heard of two. Now, there might be another one out there someplace. But there's two schools of thought as to when... Jesus was crucified. There are a certain number of, and I'm talking about conservative evangelical Christians, there are a certain number of us around the world that believe Jesus was crucified in A.D. 30. Then there's a certain number of us in the same category, evangelical Christians all over the world, who believe that Jesus was crucified in 33 A.D. Some of us believe 30, some of us believe 33. For years, I believed it was 30. And I suppose ten years ago, even though I'm old and even though I'm Swedish, I changed my mind. I now believe that Jesus was crucified in 33. And as I thought about this, I can't remember why I changed my mind. But I know I did, and I know it was about ten years ago. So if you're going to ask me why, don't waste your time because I can't remember. But if you give me a week or two, I'll look it up. This is important because... It's important for us to remember who was in control of the country was Pilate. He's the Roman. The the Roman government appointed him to be the governor from 26 to 36. Now, you might discover out there on the Internet, although I don't believe you're going to do this, that somebody believes Jesus was crucified in 31 AD or somebody 32 or 36 AD. No, you won't. Because in those 11 years when Pilate was the Roman governor, are you tracking with me? In those 11 years, from 26 to 36, there are only two times when Passover occurred on Friday. Aha. And you guess what years those are? 30 and 33. Jesus is crucified during the reign of Pilate. He's crucified on a Friday because that's the day of Passover. Passover. And there's only two times that Passover occurs on a Friday during the 11 years that Pilate is the governor. Remember, next year, Passover occurs on a Wednesday, April 8th. As the official Roman appointed representative, he is the only one in the province of Judea who can declare capital sentences. The Sanhedrin? No. The Sadducees? No. The chief priests? No. The Pharisees? No. They have no authority over who's crucified. They have to bring Jesus to appear before this guy named Pilate. Now, Mark's gospel is the shortest of the four gospels. It isn't that he leaves things out. This is the inspired holy word of God. This is what the Holy Spirit told him to write. John on this topic, gives us a little more information. So now I know you've already got four or five hands going with all these things, but hang on to everything and turn with me to John 18. I want to read three or four verses beginning in verse 28. John's talking about this same event. John 18, beginning in 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. Now remember, who's the governor? That's Pilate. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. Now hold it, time out right there. Remember, one of the things that I'm as guilty as anybody, when we read scripture, we read too fast. They don't want to go in Pilate's house. He's a Gentile. If they go in a Gentile's house, they are disqualified, let's use that word, they would be disqualified from celebrating Passover. So they don't want to go in there. So Pilate went outside, it says in verse 29, went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, this is important, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. It's important for us to understand that Jewish people did not crucify Jesus. They didn't crucify Jesus. It was the Romans who crucified Jesus. The preferred method of death by Jewish people was stoning The preferred method of death by Romans was crucifying. And they adopted that method from the Persians. Okay, take all four or five hands and go back to Mark 15. Look at verse 6. Now at the feast, he, we're talking about Pilate. Now at the feast, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection... There was a man called Barabbas. The possibility, just imagine the situation with Pilate. The possibility of releasing Barabbas instead of releasing Jesus is recorded for us in all four Gospels, this little story here. Mark calls Barabbas a murderer in your Bible in verse 7. We're not exactly sure who he murdered, but he's in prison at the time that Pilate is approached with a request to kill Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. There's a number of interesting things in there. Beyond the evidence of this being in all four Gospels, this idea that Barabbas is going to release for them a prisoner, this is not recorded anywhere in Roman history. Wherever this came up from, the only place you ever read about this tradition or this law or this ritual that Pilate would release somebody from prison during Passover That's never been heard of out there on the street. The only place we ever read about that is in the Gospels. Pilate offered the option to the people, who do you want me to release? Jesus or Barabbas? With the expectation, if you're the governor and you know the situation and you've heard stories about Jesus, he is fully expecting the crowd to say, release for us Jesus. But verse 11 says, the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. So Pilate is, how would we describe, he is, um, well, he's pushed back in a corner. He's out of options here. I mean, he doesn't want the Romans to be mad at him. He'll lose his job. He, he wants to be known as, I mean, every politician wants all the people to be in love with you. So he knows he has to make a decision here. He's got the crowd saying, release for us Barabbas. And he wants to release Jesus. But here's what he knows. He knows if he releases Barabbas. Well, it might take a week or two. It might even take a month or two. But this guy is a wild man. He's already in prison for murdering. Even if it takes two or three months, he's eventually going to commit another crime out there. And the Roman army will come and arrest him and we'll we'll throw him back in jail. It's only a matter of time. But if he releases Jesus, how's he ever going to get him back in jail? You see, how do you arrest someone who takes a few loaves of bread and a few small fishes and feeds thousands of people? What charge do you crime that charge that person with? How do you charge somebody, or how do you arrest someone who simply says, be healed, and deaf people can hear, and blind people can see, and lame people can walk? What do you charge him with? What crime did he do? How do you arrest someone? How do you arrest someone who brings dead people Back to life Pilate knows that if he releases Jesus he may never get the chance to arrest him again verse 13 and they cried out crucify him verse 15 so Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus he delivered him to be crucified to be scourged Terrible, painful procedure. There's a long wooden handle called a flagellum. And attached to the end of this handle is a big whip. And on the end of the whip out here, there's nine individual pieces of leather. And on the end of each little strip of leather, they tie either a piece of metal or a piece of bone. Some people call this thing a flagellum. Other people call it a cat of nine tails. And the person that was on the end of this wooden pole knew how to use it because every person that was crucified had to be scourged before they were hung on the cross. And as those pieces of metal, you can just imagine, as those pieces of bone and metal were whipped across the back of everybody getting Crucified, it just it just opened up the flesh like a can opener, and blood would you could sometimes see internal organs. These these pieces of metal would cut so far into the skin. It was it was actually quite common in history that people would die from the scourging before they were crucified. And we think now, as we think about this, there must have been a small portion in the midst of this insanity of crucifying people. There must have been a small amount of compassion in these Romans because they understood if they scourged people before they crucified them, they died sooner on the cross. So what Jesus said would happen back in Matthew 20, beginning in verse 17, is now coming true. 2017, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said... See, we're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged or your translation might say scourged and crucified. And then Jesus said this, and this is for next week, and he will be raised on the third day. Now let me close Mark 15 by just reading two or three more select verses, and then I'm going to end with a question. Let's jump down to Mark 15, verse 20. And when they had mocked him, they stripped off the purple cloak and put on his own clothes, and they led him out to crucify him. Verse 23, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they, verse 24, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Verse 25, and it was the third hour When they crucified him. That third hour, now, we got a number of different clocks and calendars going here. This third hour, these hours start at sunup, which is normally 6 a.m. on this clock. So the third hour would be at 9 o'clock in the morning, verse 25. And at 9 o'clock in the morning, they crucified him. Verse 33, and when the sixth hour had come, that would now be noon. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now, let's just stop. I don't care where you're from. I find if we're in Jerusalem, it doesn't matter whether you believe in Jesus or you believe in a bale of hay. If the sun goes dark at noon, and it stays dark until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you've got to ask yourself a question, what in the world is going on here? Because it is dark for three hours. If you never heard anything about Jesus, you've got to understand something just happened. And nobody can explain it. Verse thirty-three. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That'd be three o'clock in the afternoon. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," which means, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Verse thirty-seven. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Verse forty-six. And Joseph brought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance, 47. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Here's my question and then we're going to stop. If Jesus was God in the flesh, and he was, and if Jesus had all the attributes of God, and he did. Then one of those attributes would have been omniscience, which means God knows everything. He knows everything even before it's going to happen. Let's back up to last Sunday, not October, whatever it was, but let's go back to last Sunday, Mark chapter 11, Palm Sunday. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, on the back of that donkey. He knew he was going to be crucified before the week was over. In fact, we can go back before Mark 11. If we can go back all the way to the last paragraph, look this up when you go home. Uh, Now I just drew a blank. I think uh, it might be Luke chapter 19, the last paragraph, where he said he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knows Right? He's God in the flesh. He knows what's going to happen even before it's happened. Here's my question. Why, when we get to be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, why doesn't he just leave town? He knows what's going to happen if he stays there. He doesn't leave town because he loves us. And he knows that the reason his heavenly father sent him to earth was for him to die on the cross and shed his blood as the full and final price for all of our sin. That's why he stayed. That's why he was flogged and scourged and spit on. And that's why he went to the cross. He died so that you and I could repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. His whole purpose in coming to earth was to save us from our sin. And that's why he didn't leave town. If we could come up with the title for Mark 15, I just came up with the crucifixion of Jesus. Come back next week because there's that old song we used to sing on Good Friday. It's something about this is Friday but Sunday's coming. Next week is the resurrection. Now, I'm going to close in prayer and we're going to have an offering and then when we're done with the offering, Trey is going to come and he's got an announcement for us. So let's close and if you have time this week and if you think you don't have time, make time. Read Mark 16. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for well, God, uh, just, I just think um, sometimes we need to ask forgiveness for the way we act and the way we do things. And even myself, it's so easy to just say the words, thank you for sending Jesus. But God, sometimes we really need to search our hearts. And I, I just ask that you would help us to do that. Help us to understand that there really was a time when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but there really was a time when he existed with you in heaven for all eternity before that. And there really was a reason why he came, and it, it wasn't easy. It was painful, and it was terrible, and it was, it was sad, and it was painful. and God, we thank you for sending Jesus, who lovingly and willingly came into this earth, and in the midst of all of the abuse that he suffered and the pain that he suffered, he went to the cross and he shed his blood as the full payment for our sin. And so, God, we want to thank you for that, and we will thank you for that for all eternity. Thank you for loving us so much that you provided a way for us to receive the gift of eternal life. And now as we take this offering, we thank you for each gift and each giver. We ask that you would help us to continue being good stewards of what you entrust into our care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.